Our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56, and can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1619. Paul records, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you. No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. And they will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I remember visiting my dad at the John Muir Hospital in Walnut Creek, California. In 1986, and it was after he had part of his lung removed. It's what they called the upper left lobe. Everything hurt. It was a major effort for him just to get up and to take a step or two. And he had to hug a pillow to his chest every time he coughed. It was miserable. He was wondering if letting the surgeon open up his chest was the right thing to do. And he did get to see four of his six grandchildren born. Twelve years later, the cancer returned. The doctors in Chico, California, had been treating my father for chronic bronchitis. And then they discovered that the cancer in his lung had returned and 
metastasized throughout his body. And I remember my mom telling me that my dad had asked what happens next if this chemo doesn't work. What else you got? And the doctor's answer was, Graham, we are not saving the best for last. And I remember that he was bald from chemotherapy. The medical community had administered a precise dose of poison with the idea that it was a enough to kill the cancer without killing the patient. I remember he couldn't eat. I remember he was weak. That life was miserable. And that chemo slowed the inevitable. However, we were all able to share time with him together and individually before he passed in June of 1999. Now through the years, and even quite recently, I've been in the midst of people who are in physical therapy after surgeries or hip replacements or new knees. And I have found that they are engaged in a love-hate relationship with the therapist, that there is a lot of pain involved in the recovery. But with the proper care and the blessing of Almighty God, many of these people recover and leave, lead active lives after this treatment. And eventually, some will come to see that the time of painful recovery was worth it in the long run as they enjoy extra years of life and health. It seems that once we attain a certain seasoning that life has a way of doing, some people call maturity, but at some point we come to realize that there are circumstances where Present pain leads to future gain. And there are times when we realize that we have no choice but to endure a time of hardship for our own good. And it is at such times that many people will say, well, let's hurry up and get it over with. They understand that life is about to get very, very bad, but that they will be better off in the long run. Now, it appears that Jesus felt that way as he was traveling to Jerusalem to keep his appointment with the cross. He said this, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is Accomplished. That was in today's gospel reading, Luke 12, verse 50. And here Jesus was speaking of the bloody baptism of his death on the cross. 
And in his baptism by blood, Jesus will endure the full wrath of God for the sins of the world. And by enduring this wrath, he will earn forgiveness, life, and salvation for you and for me. And Jesus knew that he faced a gauntlet of shame, pain, and the forsakenness by God, the Father himself. And he knew that the endurance of that gauntlet would bring salvation to the world. And he knew that there was a specific time that the Father had set aside for this gauntlet. And his desire was that this time would hurry up and just get there. The sooner it started, the sooner it would be finished. And in a way, in a small way, Jesus was like many of us. He wished there was a way that he could hurry up and get it over with. Now, on the other hand, there are some very important ways in which Jesus is different from us when it comes to our desire to get it over with. When it comes to medical procedures, each of us receives the gain from his own pain. Blood circulates better. The cancer goes into remission. We can move more easily with less pain. However, in the case of Jesus, his pain is your gain. He suffers, but you receive the benefit. He forgives your sin, and he adopts you into his family. He gives you eternal life in his joyful present, his eagerness to endure his bloody baptism on the cross is for you. And at the end of his journey to Jerusalem, Jesus kept his appointment with the cross, and with his suffering and his death, he earned forgiveness for you. And you can be confident of forgiveness because at the end of his ordeal, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And he finished his baptism in blood for you. His baptism in blood guarantees that your baptism joins you to him. His righteous life becomes your righteousness. His holy death washes away all of your sins. His resurrection is the promise that you will also rise from the dead to join him in eternal joy. All that he has, all that he has belongs to you because his pain, his pain is your gain. Now sadly, there are those 
who reject this gracious gift that Jesus earned with his baptism in blood. Some simply reject the idea that there is an eternity. And others believe in a life after this one, but they prefer to earn their own way into eternity. And in either case, by rejecting the gift that Jesus earned for them, they have condemned themselves to eternal torment. There is salvation for them, but they do not have it because they reject it. It is they who have lost their salvation. Now Jesus warned that those who reject his salvation will take offense at him. That is what is meant when he said, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, and mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and so on and so on. This is not a happy scenario. Even the strong bond of family will break apart over the salvation provided by Jesus because some will reject it. Now this division is not, it is not God's will. He would have us all bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. That's from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. But even so, the evil one uses those who reject the gospel to attack the gospel. And so it is that Jesus is simply being realistic. He's talking straight. Even though he does not desire division, those who reject his salvation will cause that division. The division is especially strong and especially evident in our culture. That is because we are willing to sacrifice truth for the sake of peace. We are willing to tolerate all sorts of evil for the sake of just getting along. We do not base our decisions on what is right, but what is pleasurable, what is easy. We do not, excuse me, we are more interested in what makes us feel good than what is truly, truly good. And the sad thing about this is that there can be no real peace without truth. Jesus said this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8 Verses 31, 32. So it is Jesus himself who established truth as the source of freedom. And he taught the truth 
that frees us. He taught us that it is found in his very word. It is found in the Bible. When Martin Luther studied the words of Jesus concerning peace and truth, he said, peace, if possible, truth at all cost. Christ's attitude toward the truth was, is also caused one Baptist minister, his name was Adrian Rogers, to say this. It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than to speak a lie that will comfort and then kill. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is better to stand alone with the truth than to be wrong with a multitude. It is better to ultimately die with the truth than to live with a lie. The devil and the world and especially our own sinful nature, despise the truth. They despise the truth because the truth states that we are fallen sinners. The truth is that each and every one of us sins many, many times every day. That means that each and every one of us earns God's eternal punishment each and every day. And the truth is, is that there is nothing that we can do to rescue ourselves from this condition. This is a terrifying truth that we would rather ignore. Now the problem with ignoring the truth is that ignoring the truth does not make the truth go away. Although the truth of our sin is terrifying, ignoring this truth is the most dangerous thing that we can do. Because when we ignore the truth of our sin, we also ignore the truth of the gospel, the truth of the baptism of blood that Jesus endured on the cross, the baptism of blood that earned forgiveness, life, and salvation for you. The devil, the world, and especially our own sinful nature will do anything to hide this truth from you. They will label you as divisive or narrow-minded or bigoted, hateful, and so forth. They will tempt you to surrender the truth just so that you can get along. And in this way, they hope to rob you of the truth that saves. They say that they are trying to create unity when they are really trying to create division, especially division between you and God our Father. Jesus warns us about the deception of the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature by telling us the truth that unity with God will cause division with the world. God does not cause these divisions. 
It is the false doctrines of false teachers who cause divisions. And as the Holy Spirit inspired Jeremiah to write in our Old Testament reading this morning, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds and not from the mouth of the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 16. Everyone who expresses an opinion without checking it against the word of God is a false prophet. And boy, are they all over YouTube now. Don't listen to that. That didn't come from Scripture. Oh, it is enticing. But these false prophets, they are the true dividers. Jesus was eager to undergo his baptism of blood on the cross in order to unite us with him. For he desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 He has sent the Holy Spirit to work in us through Holy Scripture, through absolution, baptism, and the Lord's Supper to establish and maintain the faith that receives the unity and other gifts Jesus earned for us. Unity that Jesus earned for us lasts into eternity where those who believe, those who believe will experience the joy of Christ's presence forever. In the name of Jesus, Amen.